Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Gateway Rescue Mission, meeting the physical and spiritual needs of the homeless right here in Jackson, Mississippi. Check us out at www.gatewaymission.org. What is up on a Monday night? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you joining us late for this Monday night Monday. edition of the Rebel Report. Uh, so we didn't make any plans in advance to, like, I guess, get the word out. But uh, we didn't short you on a Monday podcast. We had a little bit of some scheduling issues last night. And then Ole Miss was having another practice that was available to the media today. So we were just like, you know what, why not just wait until afterward? Because like, we would have talked about the same stuff we talked about Friday. And then really just like you'd have had the practice at like right after we got done recording and then we'd have waited to Wednesday. So we bottled it all up into one to just kind of get a bit more football centric. They were in full pads today. You kind of got to see a little more. Um, so yeah, pretty football centric show today. We've got some anonymous, it's anonymous quote season where Ethlon does that thing where they get anonymous quotes on all 14 programs from other head coaches. Um, uh, but pretty football centric show today. We'll probably get into some other stuff as we do always from, uh, from over the weekend. What's up, man? Not much, not much. Uh, it's been a busy weekend. How how was your weekend? It was good. I uh, I played a golf tournament with my dad. It was fun. Uh, Seems we, like you do that every other weekend. Yeah, I know. It's it's we've had two in the last three weekends. It's it's weird. Like we have like this is kind of the time of year I would say that we do that. Like it's I don't know. It's just one of those things. There's there's always one in July and one or two in August that we always seem to play together so- in. So does your dad play with, like, your other two brothers like this, or how does that work? Well, so I would put it this way. is like, so my both of my brothers got into golf, uh, I would say, later on. They both actually become pretty decent players, I would say. They hit the ball really well. But, like, golf is really all I played in junior high and high school. Uh, if you've ever seen me in person, that's probably not a shock um, in the slightest. Um, not really cut out for basketball or football. Uh, and by that, I mean I could literally die. <laughs> and so golf was kind of my thing. And so I got into it the earliest. So that's kind of always been me and my dad's thing. Me and my dad and my brothers like play together a decent bit now that my brothers both picked it up their senior year of high school, like played on the golf team and really kind of started slowly in high school. So like, yeah, they play together, but I'd say like tournament wise, mostly me and my dad play together just cause we have for a while. But like we've all four of us play together a decent bit. Okay. Fair enough. I was just curious how that worked. Yeah. So, um, so we did that and then, that was really about it. It was a fun tournament. It was like 27 holes one day, 18 the next, three nine-hole matches. We played pretty good The uh, we played pretty good on Saturday, not so great on Sunday. We may have had a little too much fun on Saturday, and it might have affected our Sunday morning matches uh, just in the slightest. Not not much, maybe just in the slightest, but good weekend all in all. Just uh, what, what, Why was yours busy? Uh, well, I'm still helping my sister move to Jackson. It has been an experience. Yeah. Girls have a lot of stuff. I don't know if you know this. Yeah, they do. Um, Neil McCready was. Uh, we were sitting there waiting on interviews today, and he's moving his daughter. She's going to University of Arkansas, I believe. Uh, I think next week. And we were talking about how you know the move-in process isn't always the easiest or the most fun, and you know, obviously, girls more so than boys, particularly in a dorm, have a lot more stuff. I I, I aspire to like make enough money to where like I can hire movers regularly and don't ever have to move anything ever again. Yeah, Neil seemed like he had it figured out. Said he's got some high school kids up there ready to help him out. So, Movers is definitely the way to go. Borky moved houses not too long ago. Oh, God. Um, and I think he tried to do it himself, and he was like, look, 
Like, I know it's expensive, but hire a moving company. Like, find the funds. Like, just bite the bullet and do it. Don't move it all yourself. It's a pain in the ass. I'm so, glad to hear the uh, found a house because I remember listening to the radio a few, like maybe a month or so ago, and it felt it felt self that it sounded like he had like a housing snafu when he was trying to find a house. Yeah, he got. I forget exactly how that story goes, and I don't want to butcher it. But yeah, you're right. He had a house that he wanted to give, and somewhere in the selling process, I'm not sure that they were fully upfront about what was going on or someone else swooped in and got it. I'm not really sure. I think he was kind of salty about that, but he found a house that he likes. And then he's got a kid coming in October. A lot of stuff happening with Borky. Both, both moving and the kid sounds measurable. I know. He's got a new house. He's been doing yard work. Like he's preparing <laughs> to have a kid on the way. And I was like, guess what, Borky? I showered all seven days last weekend, put on deodorant. So I don't really know what you're adulting about because I got you beat. Is that, is that like when you had to go like uh, file taxes and stuff? Is that when you feel uh, feel like you're adulting? Pretty much. I had to go get a new license plate the other day on top of something else. I can't remember what it was, but I just remember the feeling of going into two government buildings without being summoned by anyone was really thrilling. It felt very, very corporate and very grown up. <laughs> yeah, we're getting to that age like where we have to start doing adult stuff. I took your lead and started running uh, recently. so it, uh, that's It's not fun, is it? No, it's miserable. You it's do feel better and a little stress. Like, it, it's a big stress relief after the fact, and you feel better, like, when you wake up in the mornings, but at the time, it's like, this This is awful. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's, it's 30 to 45 minutes of just hell. Yeah, I know. We, we sit here at 6.30 on a Monday night, and I'm probably going to go try to run after this, and I'm really just, like, it's like part of me looks forward to it, because it's like 20 minutes I can keep to myself and all that, but you get, like, I hit the first hill on my run, and I'm like, why did I do this to myself? And uh, last week I was nursing a fairly significant leg injury. I don't really know what it is. It went away, but it hurt for like a week. Wait, like like calf or hamstring? It, it felt like it. it was, I think it was the hamstring area, but I don't know if I pulled it. It was just like tighten up. I don't know. I'm not exactly a finely tuned athlete, so the fact that that went away, I feel like I should be just thankful for. Oh God, we should get into football. Yeah, football. I say that it's oh. going to pop back up tonight. I'm going to come limping into the studio on Wednesday. So, anyway, um, enough about my uh, exercising habits, our exercising habits. Um, Ole Miss has begun fall camp, and I know Friday's podcast, they had not quite started by the time that that dropped, but they've had two practices that the media's been able to see. I believe they had another practice on Saturday. They took Sunday off. Um, they did, yep. So, Matt Luke said the heat kind of got to him on Saturday. I, I, I don't really... Uh, I don't really dispute that because it has been really hot. I don't understand the whole fall yeah. camp thing. It's 90-plus every day. Uh, really nothing fall about it. To, to be fair, it might be 90-plus during the fall here sometimes. No, yeah, it will. I mean, you're not talking cool weather really until you get pretty deep into October. I mean, there's October, some days in yeah. September. The Really, the first, if you have an early wave of home games, like an old Mrs. had in the last couple of years, like you get two, three September home games, that sucks. I mean, it's miserably hot. Yeah, it's it's going to be like that for the Arkansas and Southeastern Louisiana game this year. Yeah, and so I guess diving right into football, I don't necessarily know I want to start. I put up a pair of notebooks each day that you can read at supertalk.fm. I got some feature stuff uh, coming tomorrow and Thursday and probably Wednesday as well. Um, just some different stuff. But really, I just I put up a couple of notebooks from each practice. Um, I guess we'll start... I'll just go through really of, of my thoughts through two practices. And one, and I wrote this on Friday, and it like 
it's really stating the obvious, but you can sense that practices are more crowded. And what I mean by that is there's, there are more bodies. And it's because mostly because they're back to the full 85 scholarships and then, you know, whatever, the one, what, 110 is the expanded roster with walk-ons and all that stuff. Um, there's just more people at practice. So they're back at the full scholarship limit. You can, really can sense it while you're sitting out there. Um, and they didn't talk about it a lot last year, and I know I've, I've discussed this on this podcast before, but I thought we were. I thought that they were at like 59, 60 players um, going into the South Carolina and Auburn games last year, like the late October where they were really beat up after the Arkansas game. And it was actually worse than that. I was told by someone around there at practice – that at one point they went into a game with 52 available scholarship players and 56 dressed out before there was no chance they were playing. They were just dressed out, really, to make the sideline look full. <laughs> so they put people in pads. So I mean, that's not the. I don't want to. I don't want to take that out of context. That's not what the reason he was that that was told to me. But he said we dressed out 56, but really only 52 could play. Oh God! Yeah, the NCAA decimated them. It's. Uh... I got that's got to be like a joyous feeling to look out there and you can like actually have scrimmages like without worrying about enough people getting hurt. Yeah, no, it has to. It, it really does. And I, I've, um, you know, a former Ole Miss Rebel, I actually saw over the weekend, Ryan Buchanan. I knew Ryan growing up. We were friends in high school, still are friends now. Um, I don't really talk to Ryan about like football that much, but I was just kind of like shooting the shit and kind of giving him shit. And I was like, I bet you don't miss standing out there uh, right like this time of year in August. And he was like, absolutely not. But we got to talking about just different types of stuff and what had been going on. And he was like, you know, we talked about the scholarship thing. I was like, how do you go out in there and compete and like win games with that many people available? And he was just like, you don't. <laughs> you don't. But I mean, he's right. It's really, really hard to win games in the SEC with that many people available. So now they're they're kind of they at least like I'm not sure how much depth Ole Miss is going to have overall. I mean, there's a lot of positions where the depth is really questionable, but at least they have the bodies to be able to formulate the depth. Like you can't obviously you're not going to like they're going to learn through experience, and that depth's going to formulate over the next couple of years, and they're going to have some struggles because of that this year. But at least they have the bodies to roll out there this year. Sure. Yeah, and that's huge. Like, I mean, there were times last year where they were just playing guys because they had nobody else. I don't feel like that'll be the case so much this year. I feel like the guys that they'll put on the field are, are for the most part, uh, quality SEC football players. Yeah, uh, you know. I mean, how a five foot six Tylen Knight was going back and forth from offense to defense out of necessity last year. That should probably tell you just about everything you need to know, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, that's not going to be the case this year. Look, they're going to be out-talented at times. I mean, Texas A&M, LSU, Alabama, Auburn, um, those, those teams are going to have more talent than Ole Miss. But I do think Ole Miss has enough talent to be mentioned in the same tier this year as, you know, Vanderbilt and Arkansas and, and Mississippi State. I think, you know, that they can compete, you know, right with those teams and from a, from a numbers standpoint, whereas I don't really know if that was the case the past two years. I would agree with that. Um, I, I guess the, the next kind of thing I'll go through is uh, injury notes. Really, um, really not a ton to report here. The only two guys that were in non-contact jerseys on Friday um, were Luke Knox, who's dealing with a minor hamstring issue. I'm pretty sure he was back. I didn't see him out there today, but I'm pretty. There's only one green jersey, is basically what I'm getting at, and it was on Montreal Custis, who is still dealing with a. Um, Torn ACL he suffered against um, Alabama last year in September. Yep. Hasn't fully recovered from that. We actually spoke to Custis to, on Monday um, after practice, and he was talking about how most of what Seed's needing to overcome now is mental. He said he still has hesitation 
planting and kind of you know cutting sometimes on the knee. But he said he knows it's all mental. He said, look, we have great doctors. I know my knee's structurally sound now, but it's just a matter of mentally getting back in it. I imagine there's still some physical part of the rehab to, to go as well. I imagine it's not all mental. Um, so that actually sounds like that's going to be a process because he was asked when he thinks he might be back 100% normally. He said he's aiming for the last week of fall camp with the hopes of getting out there for the first game, but really didn't rule out that he wouldn't be 100% for the first game. Um, sure. I, mean, I don't really know what to make of that. Like, everyone's knee in, heals differently. Because remember, like, Jalen Jones has made a full recovery, and he had the same right. injury two weeks earlier. I talked to both of them about talking to Ken Webster, um, just about how things, you know, how to go with the knee injury. And, uh, you know, Custis kind of said the same thing. And he was like, yeah, I talked to a number of different guys. And, look, you can't rush it. Everybody just kind of heals differently. So, you know, is it concerning? Sure. Because Custis was playing pretty good football when he got hurt last year. He was he was kind of one of those guys that had kind of figured out. He is listed, I believe, third at free safety. Kind of, or I say third. He's behind. Um, he is behind. Where am I going with this? Oh, so like he's there's four free safeties, and it's Julius Linton, Cam White, and Custis all kind of in the mix there. I imagine a healthy Custis will get back in the mix, but that's I, that's kind of all the thoughts I had on that. Yeah, I mean, look, it, the the physical part is that that's the part you worry about. Mentally, I think some guy, I think he'll he'll be a guy that gets back. And you know, you'd rather have the the mental problem from an ACL than than you know a physical problem. So, look, he might not be a hundred percent by Memphis, but I think you know by the time they roll into I don't know Vanderbilt, I mean the the kid's a hundred percent and is helping the secondary again. So. Um, you know, look, guys recover differently. Obviously, you mentioned Jalen Jones has made a full recovery. And if this is a mental thing, I think he'll work through it, you know, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I don't think it'll, like, it'll, it would be a bit surprising to me if this lingers into the second month of the season. But these things you never really know, man. It's sometimes, like, some guys come back really quick. Some guys you just don't really know. So not something they can really rush. That's why he's in the non-contact jersey. Um that's a position where they feel okay about. I mean, you kind of know what you have in Julius at this point. Armani Linton's played football at this point. Cam White, not so much. But then you have Custis there too, so they have some options there. I think Custis will end up contributing if he is healthy. Um, let's see, what else did I have written down? Uh, not that this is a major thing, but Scotty Phillips looks bigger. He's added at least five pounds of muscle. He looks thicker in the legs. And it's interesting to me is they have three, four running backs that all kind of have similar body types. Like he and Willard and Snoop and Pinneman. Pinneman's a little bit bigger, but particularly Phillips, Snoop, and Pinneman are all big body backs and look powerful. I just noticed Phillips looks a little bit heavier. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of asked around. He's added at least five pounds of muscle. I think he's a little thicker. I mean, that's a would-be 1,000-yard SEC back heading up, but it's probably the deepest position on the field for Ole Miss. Not even really – I can't even really think of a close second. Maybe defensive line somewhere? Yeah, no. I mean, it, the running back position is going to be kind of – fascinated me. I mean, with Ely, Phillips, um, you know, Penniman, if, if he's able to go, and, you know, Woolard had a good year last year. I've kind of looked at that position for a while now as, as a position that Ole Miss is maybe the strength of their offense. Look, they've got a lot of talented receivers. They've got a lot of guys with that, in that running back room that can really carry the ball and, and, and get big first downs. And, you know, I think that's something that maybe this program hasn't had in a long time. Um, so I, I'm kind of interested to see how they, you know, split carries and, and how those guys perform this year. 
Yeah, I think it's the depth that they haven't had. Because, like, right. Walton was a decent back, and then you kind of had that era where you had Matt, uh, Itavius Mathers for a short time and a couple of those other guys. Really, last year – or not last year, excuse me, two years ago, it was Jordan Wilkins and then, you know, kind of whoever – after that, that 2016 year, Wilkins had to sit out. I don't even necessarily remember who was playing predominantly. I, that's bad. I should remember that. Oh, that was Akeem Judd and uh, Eugene Brasley. Yes, it was. And that's obviously – and you, Akeem Judd was a pretty decent back. And sure. Brasley was okay. And they had one more guy in there too, but that was when they lost – That was Peniman. Yeah, that was Peniman. That's exactly right. Because they lost Wilkins in 2016 to the academic snafu, and then Sweeney right. had that really bad injury against Florida State. Um yep. So, yeah, they, they have a lot of depth here, and they have a lot of options. And we'll get to this in a minute towards the end, not towards the end of the show, but a little later on in the show. Athlon Sports had a, you know, their list of anonymous quotes for all 14 programs. And one of the anonymous quotes from one of the coaches was, I don't think they have the personnel for Rich Rod to do what he wants to do. And unless they're talking about the offensive line, I'm not sure I totally agree with that. Well, Rodriguez, obviously, when you come in and you inherit pieces that aren't yours, it's obviously all not an ideal fit. But they have a lot of depth at running back, and they have some really interesting playmakers in Tylen Knight and how they use Ely, and even how they use like Elijah Moore and Dennis Jackson and some of these other quicker guys. I'm not sure if I 100% agree that he doesn't have the personnel to do what he wants to do, because Richard likes to run the football in a lot of different ways, and he likes to move the pocket in the passing game, and I think he can do both of those things. I'm not saying it's a perfect or an ideal fit, but I'm not sure I necessarily agree with the fact that he doesn't have the personnel, at least from a skill perspective, to do what he wants to do. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that at all. I mean, he's got a quarterback that can run. Um, he's got speed and, you know, Ely and, and Tyler Knight. He's got receivers that can can go get the football. At. For, I mean, like you said, if he, unless they're referring to the offensive line, that just doesn't really make sense to me because it kind of seems like this, this the guys on campus kind of fit what Rich Rod does. Now, that might not have been on purpose from, you know, what Phil Longo was doing, but it does fit. <laughs> it does feel like, you know, Rich Rod can come in and implement his system rather quickly. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And the next question is, can Corral run? Because last year in the very limited sample size we had, he showed that he was a willing runner, right? And it was against bad teams and a lot of times in mop-up time, and he busted a long run against ULM. But I'll be interested to see, like, when I say can he run, like, can he run smart? Like, can he run and protect his body and kind of, not he's not going to be Nick Fitzgerald where they slam him in the line all the time, but can he protect himself and can he run smartly, not just like scrambling type of thing, if that makes sense? Can you run like Chad Kelly? Because Kelly was really good at that. He didn't get enough credit for being able to use his legs like he did. I think if he can mimic that, he'll he'll have a really successful year on the ground. Yeah, I would agree with that comparison in the way Kelly ran. And it's can he do it? I'm not saying he can't. I don't know. I just don't think we. I don't think we've seen it. I think he probably has the ability to. But based off the little I saw of John Rice Plumley in high school. And I'm not about to, like, it's, it's Matt Corral's team. He's going to start. I'm not saying anything of that. But if you're talking about, like, maybe more of an ideal fit towards the running side of Rich Rod's thing, it's probably Plumley. But obviously, Matt Corral, from an arm town and an arm strength perspective, offers stuff. You know, it's kind of, not generational, but that's really kind of what, what his, his best skill set is. And so, maybe he's not the perfect fit for a running thing, but I'll be interested to see how... How Rich Rod uses him and how they maybe mold his running game to maybe fit somewhat of Rich Rod's going to do because I don't think that's a perfect fit at all. But I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. No, yeah, I'm I'm completely with you. It, I think Corral's going to be able to be mobile, and, and I think that opens up a lot of things for Rich Rod. Look, I think they're going to make sure the kid protects himself. Uh, and if they don't, they may put the reins on him. But 
I think at the beginning of the year, they're, it's going to be full bore, and they're just going to let let him go make plays. Yeah, um, up front on that offensive line that we've talked about, which is really turning into the key of this fall camp, and we are we were way ahead on this, not way ahead of other people, not like beating my chest here, but we talked about this dating back as far as February and spring. The offensive line, and I don't feel like it was necessarily talked about enough early on in the offseason, but the offensive line is really where this thing make or breaks. So with Alex Givens out, you've had Michael Howard running with the first team right tackle. Um, I mean, that's not a shocking thing, but I believe Hamilton Hall was the one listed on Ole Miss's too deep as the backup um, right tackle to Givens on the initial one they released before SEC Media Days. Um, Michael Howard was listed as the backup left tackle to Bryce Matthews, but uh, it's been Michael Howard that's been manning the right tackle spot. Um, he's an interesting case because he's a kid that didn't play a lot um, his first couple years. He fluctuated from tight end to special teams guy. He was a backup lineman last year that didn't really play much. He struggled to keep weight on. And, like, has really, really, really struggled to add weight and keep weight on him. And he's gained 25 pounds this offseason. He's at 280. He's listed on the website, at least right now, at 280. That's probably obviously still a little light, but that's a hell of a lot better where he's been because he's been struggling in the 250, 260 range. It's interesting for a guy like that and a guy that size to hear him talk about how he struggled for a long time to keep weight on him. Like, that just seems hard like to fathom because these guys are so big, but you forget at the same time as the offensive linemen are not just big human beings, but they have to keep weight on and they have to keep good weight on. And so we were asking him, it was like, you know, what have you done to keep weight on? He said, eat everything in sight. Yeah. <laughs> he literally said, if it's edible, I had to eat it. That was the that exact be, quote. That must be um, yeah, no, that that must be quite nice, but it's, 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 it's interesting to me because he's a guy that is going to have to contribute this year oh, and is going to have to play absolutely. a lot. Yeah, no, it's it's not a situation where they can just put him on special teams on kickoff return and forget he exists. No, he has to play at 285 and, and be effective if Ole Miss is going to win football games. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I know, and I know he's a tackle, but that's not exactly hefty. No, absolutely not. But it was interesting listening to him talk about it. He's been, you know, he was like, look, you got to be kind of ambidextrous on this, too. Like, I'm a tackle. I'm not a right tackle. I'm not a left tackle. You know, you got to be able to play both sides. I'm going to have to be able to play both sides. Um, which I think is probably a product. His Ole Miss has been so set at left tackle the last really six years, and right. really before that, I forget who was before Tunsil, but they were pretty stable there before that as Emmanuel well. Emmanuel McCray. That's right, and so that's something that's that they're right not going to be as stable as that. You're not going to have really the lockdown left tackle like you've had. I think they could be okay there um, with Bryce Matthews, but to your point, like they're going to have those tackles are going to have to learn to or going to have to play both sides. Um, Really behind that, um, Nick Broker and Jeremy James have been taking reps with the second team um, at each tackle spot. Um, that is significant because those are two true freshmen who did not have the spring, and we talked about this before. Of the seven newcomers, a couple are going to have to contribute, and they're going to have to contribute right away. I'm pretty sure, you know, reading between the lines, talking to Broker and talking to Matt Luke, I'm pretty sure they pretty much told it Broker at least specifically, hey, buddy, like, like you're playing, get ready. yeah. Like there, you're you're not getting redshirted, man. Like this is this is it. You know, I, I it's probably one of those things where I, I doubt they've had a conversation that's gone like this. But it's probably one of those things where Matt Luke's like, you know, 
if he's not physically ready, he's just going to have to kind of get there and go through growing pains along the way because they're going to have to use those two guys. So they've already got two true freshmen taking a lot of reps at the second team tackle spots. That's probably not a comforting feeling if you're Jack Bicknell Jr., if you're Matt Luger, if you're Rich Rodriguez, but it's really just the reality of the position the Rebels are in. Yep. Uh, I mean, look, we, we talked about it at nauseum. The offensive line doesn't have much depth, so you're counting on newcomers to give you something. Um, if Broker can give you 15, 16 snaps a game, I mean, they, that's really a help. Um, so they're just going to have to get these new guys in there, and like you said, maybe have to go through some growing pains with them, but there's not really much other option. No, I mean, the other ones, like the, the listed on the original 2D was uh, seasoned veteran redshirt freshman Hamilton Hall. Um <laughs> And Michael Howard, and so there's just there's just really not an option, not a lot of options there, and that's just really the reality of the the situation Ole Miss is in. Um, we've talked the offensive line thing into death. Death, look, man, they're going to need to stay healthy, and they're going to need to have at least two guys, three guys, if they can get to eight deep where they're just okay. Um, that's just kind of the way it's going to have to be. They've tried a couple different guys at center. Um, trying to think. I'm looking up and down my roster here. I had some really terrible handwritten notes. Um, not big on penmanship. Uh, my handwriting is that of a serial killer. It is not legible. Um, it is terrible. I got my motor You're skills... You're a lefty too, aren't you? Yeah, I know. I got my motor skills checked to like 6th grade. It was... Uh, my handwriting is, is an absolute atrocity. Like, it really is embarrassing. Um, I can barely read it, but I can read it okay enough. So, let... Hold on. This is bad podcasting, but I want to make sure because I think this is important. Um, <laughs> you have to do like you did the class, start taking your computer out to practice. So, from what I have written down, Bryce Matthews and Royce Newman, I believe, I know 100% on Matthews, I believe 72 is the other one I had on there, have taken snaps at center. Um, the reason I say that is because, you know, Eli Johnson has a history of injuries. He's probably yep. going to be the starter, but, like, I don't think they feel very comfortable riding in with Samuel Plash as the backup to respect to that young man. They're trying a couple different guys at center. They're really just, I think, like, the depth chart kind of is what it is at this point, and they throw it out there. But behind your starting five and Givens being included in that, they're just trying to find three, four more dudes that can do it. Yeah, look, they're, they got to find some guys that are interchangeable. They can play guard and tackle and. You know, I mean, if you're in a pinch, because look, they, uh, this team needs guys, a Durante Bolden and a like a, a Javon Patterson in the worst way, or, or Jordan Sims. Yeah, Jordan Sims was the one I was thinking of. Yeah, honestly, um, they can play anything. And look, I, I think they've got to find one of those guys because look, let's just be real they're they're not keeping nine guys healthy throughout the year. I don't think they're going to play nine guys consistently, but they're sure not going to keep nine healthy. Um, so you've got to. You've got to be able to play guard, tackle, center. I mean, some of these guys are going to have to be able to play more than one position and and, and play it kind of well. Yeah, no, I would 100% agree with that. And so piggybacking off of that, I think this is far. If you're looking for a substantive personnel type of thing coming from fall camp, from the little that we're allowed to see, here it is. So what I've noticed in the very limited amount of offensive drills that we've been allowed to see um, – Ole Miss do as a team, they've used a lot of two tight end sets. Octavius Cooley and Jason Pellerin have been on the field a lot at the same time. I asked Matt Luke about this today on Monday after today after practice, um, and I think that's interesting because I think they view Cooley as more of like a bruiser type guy that can really help in the run game, run blocking, and I think they like what they have Pellerin as an athlete. You know, I'm not sure where he is hands wise. 
But I think they like him as an athlete. But I think they're doing this because I think it's going to help them run the football effectively. Matt Luke said as much. When you have what is perceived as a weakness on the offensive line, and you can have two kind of bigger physical tight ends in there to add some extra blocking, I think that's going to help a lot. And I think you're going to see a lot of that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, look, at, at the core of this offense is physicality. And I think that there's, there's going to be a staple around that. And, and they're going to try to impose their wills in some of these earlier games. I just kind of think that's what Rich Rod has kind of built his offense around. Uh, look, I mean, obviously he's a spread type guy, but he believes in running the football. I mean, this, this is an offense that's going to drop back and throw it 50 times a game. They're, they're going to run the football, by God. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. Wouldn't Rich Rod kill to have Dawson Knox? <laughs> yes, he would. Yes, he would. Um. Yeah, and I, so one of my main thoughts on this was one: when was the last when did Ole Miss run it? Ole Miss didn't run two tight end sets last year that I recall. I mean, it no. may have happened once or twice, but it didn't happen. They didn't use the tight end period. I mean, we talked about this. They have a third round pick that had what, like fifteen catches last year? Exactly. Did he have fifteen? I'm being serious. I think yes. I think yes. I, I don't think. Actually, you know what? We're about to look this up. I think we're gonna look it up. I think you're about to be shocked. I could be. I, I'm probably wrong about this. I swear. If it was fifteen, it wasn't much more. Um, this is really going to piss some people off when they hear this. Let's see. Dawson Knox. Uh, It's not coming up, but my point being is he was grossly underutilized. And now, like, Rich Rod would really like to have something like that or just a body like that. And I guess my point in getting to all this and saying this is... So the second team, the second group of tight ends, so they had a two tight end set on the field today. And it was obviously Pellerin and um, Pellerin and Cooley. But when they were running it with the second team, to say there was a drop-off might be a bit of an understatement because it was converted tight, converted defensive end Jonathan Hess <laughs> and Alex Faniel, who used to play quarterback. Oh, he's still there. He is. He's playing tight end. How about that? Um. Uh, oh, Dawson Knox had exactly 15 receptions last year. There we year. go. So we pushed. Anyway, my point being is I think Ole Miss would like to do a lot of that. I mean, the Matt Luke has said as much. I think Rich, obviously, Rich Rod wants to do it as well. But what happens if Pellerin or Cooley goes down? Like, who, who, what do you do in there? I, I think you just answered your question, Alex Spaniel. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I guess so. I just, I, I, and part of the question I prefaced with Luke that he didn't really hit on, and granted, I, I have put like, like three parts to this question, and so he wasn't dodging it. That's not what I mean by that. But I said, do you think you have the depth to do that? And he really kind of focused in on the fact, you know, talking about what they have in Cooley, who they think is a big physical guy that can help in the run game. And Cooley can obviously catch passes as well. He's shown that in spurts throughout his career. And then they view Pelner as more as kind of the mismatch type of passing game threat, like athlete, if his hands kind of hold up. But it's really just after that, like, what are you, what are you doing there? Like, I, I'm just like, if 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 Pellerin goes down, I mean, you have preferred walk on Casey Kelly, Jonathan Hess, as I mentioned, Alex Faniel, Cooley. Yes. I mean, after that, it's really slim pickings. Like, you know what I mean? So they I, they need to stay healthy there too. I mean, that would I'm, I'm breaking news. Ole Miss needs to stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah, being healthy would certainly help their cause because, like we've mentioned, they're back to 85, but some of the 85 is, is not like the other 85. Um, so, yeah, between the offensive line and tight ends, I mean, there, there's a lot of inexperience, um, especially with Givens out right now. So it's uh, it, 
kind of slim pickings, like you said. Yeah, um, really, we talked to the other guy that I think we've hit on just about everyone that the media talked to today. The other guy we talked to, Tarikus Tisdale, um, after practice, and he's one of those guys that was a defensive end last year, but did not make the move to outside linebacker. He's a lot. He's a little bit bigger. He's at what I believe six foot five, two ninety ish pounds. So he's on the defense. He's playing defensive end in the three man front. He doesn't believe there's a ton of difference in that responsibility than what he did a year ago. Um, he told me that he or he told us that he was uh, excited to learn that they were going to the three four. Uh, because that's what he played at Northwest Community College. Um, you know, that's just, I mean, Ole Miss had struggled to get an exterior pass rush last year, and I know a lot of that's going to be threatened on, I mean, is going to rely on these edge and outside guys playing these bigger outside linebacker spots this year. But, like, it'll be, I'm interested to see what Tisdale and Coatney do at either end, because, you know, Coatney is obviously more of like a defensive tackle type, um, but playing in and that, and then Benito Jones down nose tackle. Those first three, Coatney. Jones and Tisdale, that's a pretty formidable yeah. front line there. And it drops off a little bit, but still on your second team, you have Austin Roberts and Quentin Bivens and Ryder Anderson right now. Like, that's not bad. That's, I think, where Ole Miss probably has its most depth on defense, depending on how the outside and inside linebackers shake out this year. But that can be a pretty formidable, formidable thing for Ole Miss. And um, so I'll be interested to see how that kind of fleshes itself out and what kind of depth they add there. But um, it, the defense will definitely look different. But it was interesting to me, and I, this could have been him blowing smoke, but Borky pointed out this on the radio show today. Mike McIntyre said if he didn't think he had the personnel, they were going to play a four-down front this year until they got the personnel in. So the fact that I guess they made the full commitment to it, I guess, tells you at least they're... You yeah, know. he thinks there's enough guys there to, to run the system. Yeah, I mean, like it, he that makes you think that they're not completely screwed. Is the way I would describe that. I think they'll be better. We've talked about this before. I think they'll be improved. I don't know how much that's going to show up on the scoreboard or in the win-loss column, but I think the defense will be more visually appeasing to watch because I think there will be less of the, holy shit, there's no one even near that guy type of thing. <laughs> that you had a lot covering, last year. Who was covering the slot receiver? Right. Like, did this guy come from the sideline? Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, you you laugh, and I, I know like we're being somewhat funny. That happened a lot the last two years, like a whole lot. They will get lined up correctly. I'm still confident in that. Yeah, they'll get. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Um, I'm trying to. I'm glossing over just kind of my notes the last couple of days. I, I think that's really all. Do you have anything on uh, on Lakia Henry at linebacker? He's going to play, and he's okay. looked pretty good. Like okay. and he's ready to play now. He and Sam Williams are going to play, I think. Oh, well, I, I don't think I know Sam Williams is going to play, and I know Nakia Henry's probably contributing in some way. Okay, yeah, they're, they're going to need that kid. Yeah, and I think he's a good, solid-looking player. And I talked about Sam Williams a little bit on Friday's show, and he is, he is as well. Um, let's see if I missed it, knocked anything out. I missed anything. No, I mean Tyler Knight worked with running backs during drills and also caught passes out of the slot in the backfield it'll be interesting to see whether he works more at kind of a slot guy or how they use him or is he more like a scat back um i think he could fit pretty well in rich rodriguez's system if he had like i don't yeah, if I'm he's good enough athletically which i think there's maybe still a bit of question marks there because he is a small guy and was a very late addition to that 2018 class but if he's up to snuff like skill set wise I, I think he could be pretty good no i'm, I'm with you completely night uh night's the guy that you know, Rich Rod can really utilize because he's quick, he's elusive, and, and they're going to look to get him the football in you know a variety of ways. Um, I think that's all I had really from a notes perspective. 
Uh, I'd like to get into this. So it's anonymous quote season, and apparently Athlon does this every year or has started doing it pretty much every year. Um, I haven't been paying attention to it, but uh, I found some of these interesting, and I'm usually not big into this. Um, But it's basically just five or six anonymous quotes on each football team in the SEC. So we'll go through Ole Miss, and then we'll just kind of go through like maybe some other notable ones that stood out for some other teams. But here are the Ole Miss ones. So – these are from other coaches, I believe, in the SEC. Obviously, their name is not on it. Um, so here we go. The first one is... Oh, shoot, shoot. All right, here we go. The Rebels are in a better place than they were the last two years. But now is when the hurting starts on those NCAA penalties. Recruiting almost always pays off two years down the road. And now they're replacing superstar kids like A.J. Brown with two- and three-star kids they had to take during the free scandal. I don't think the last part's fair. Mm, I mean, they are replacing them with two and three star kids. Like, it's not at receiver. No, not at receiver. I, I didn't think he was just specifying it to receiver. I guess so. It's not clear because he was saying like kids like AJ Brown right. with two and three star sure. kids. Not I think skill wise, they've recruited okay. I think, I think there is some credence to that. I think most of that quote is fair. They're definitely in a better place, and they're definitely going to hurt. You know, it's still going to hurt some of these NCAA penalties, but this is the year that everyone thought was going to bottom out, right? It's like once yeah. that old talent phase out, like the whole, like kind of the cliched saying was, "Oh boy, twenty nineteen comes, they're going to suck." And maybe that's the case. Maybe they do bottom out. Maybe this goes really bad. But I think there's a more talent on the roster than maybe they're like outsiders are giving them credit for. But I'm not about to sit here and tell you that they're not going to feel the effect of the NCAA penalties this season because they are. I mean, the last part of that guy's goes credence. It may not necessarily be two and three star kids, but it's kids they had to take during the freeze thing that they normally would probably replace with better players. So they are going to feel that. But I do feel like there's more in the cupboard than maybe an outsider would see from a 10,000 foot view. And 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 that's almost always the case. Look, I mean, when you, when you've got people that cover it and kind of just see them, you know, fly, have a fly by opinion, they're not going to know all the intricacies, uh, you know, regarding your football program. But I don't think the quote was unfair. But I, I'm kind of with you too. I, I do think it's a they're probably like I said. I don't think it's unfair for him, whoever it was to say that. But I also think the program's in a little bit better shape than they maybe gave it credit for. And if if they don't, if this isn't the bottoming out year. And they win five to six games again, and your bottoming out was two five and sevens and a six and six. All things considered, they went through a lot of shit and a lot of turmoil um, from you know coaching staff, administrative stuff. But on the field, it could have been worse. Yeah, like five and seven, not. uh, I mean, it's not great, but it's not the end of the world. I've seen Ole Miss teams go worse than that. And this is the last year they're really supposed to feel it. Yeah, exactly. Um. Okay. So the second one. When they we hear they're very excited about Matt Corral, they like his arm and he's really competitive. He should fit well with what Rich Rod wants to do if they can run the ball. I mean, okay, yeah, sky is also blue. I, I think that's probably fair, fairly that's a fairly tame quote. Not a whole lot in that one. Uh, of course, they are obviously very excited about Matt Corral. He's it. He's their future. Obviously, he's got a very good arm. I don't really know what he's really competitive means. These guys are D one athletes. They all want to win football games. Um, he uh, should fit know, well with what Rich Rod wants to do if they can run the ball. I think that's probably the meat of that quote. I'm not sure Matt Corral's a perfect fit, as we mentioned just a minute ago in Rich Rod's thing, but if they can run the ball and alleviate pressure on him and get him out the ball out of his hands quickly, 
um, with some different things. And that's another thing Ole Miss has been doing in practice from what we've seen. They're moving the pocket a lot, a lot of short intermediate throws. They're not throwing the playbook out while we're standing out there. I'm not about to pretend that, but I think you'll see a good bit of that. So I think the last part of that quote, if they run the ball okay, that will help him immensely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you take a lot of pressure off him if you're able to to run the football uh, convincingly. Okay, the next one, obviously they lose Brown and DK Metcalf, but that's the one position where they've recruited depth. I can't really argue with that. I think nope, that one's correct. Yeah, I mean, there is probably, is there going to be a drop-off at receiver? Sure. I mean, you just Absolutely, lost DJ, yeah. DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, and Demarcus Lodge. Do they have capable guys behind them at receiver? I actually believe that they could be pretty good at receiver, just in a different type of way. I mean, Elijah Moore is going to be a high-volume catch guy. Demarcus Gregory and Miles Battle are big, good-looking kids. And you still have a really good SEC wide receiver that kind of picked up scraps the last couple of years in Braylon Sanders. And they and really like Drummond, and they really like Dennis Jackson and some of these younger kids. I don't know how much the younger kids are going to contribute, but they got Drummond there too, a Juco kid. There's enough bodies there. I kind of like what they have going on there. I think they're going to be okay at receiver, but it's not going to be the same. And they're going to run routes. They are going to run routes. They will run routes. Um, Alright, next one. They're going to struggle up front, and they're probably going to struggle running the ball. They have the, They don't have the personnel to do what Rich Rod wants. Will Here's where it gets weird. Will Jerry and Ely play? If he chooses football over baseball, that could change a lot of things because he'd be the best running back the first day of camp. Sustaining drives is going to be interesting. So this quote's all over the place. I guess we'll unpack the first part of this. They're going to struggle up front, and they're going to struggle running the ball. That's probably a fair guess. Sure. Um, I wonder when this quote was said. Was it said before the MLB draft? That's exactly what... um, that's exactly what Richard said. This kind of sounds like something when he says chooses football over baseball. Like, in a weird way, that makes him sound like like picking one to play in college instead of two. But this more and more I think about it, this makes me think this was pre-NFL draft. I mean, it yeah. was pre-MLB draft, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, that's what I think. They don't have the personnel to do what Rich Rod, Rich Rod wants. This is what we were kind of hitting at earlier. If he's talking about the offensive line, then maybe. But if he's talking about skill personnel, I don't necessarily buy into that. Is it exactly yeah, what Rich Rod wants? Probably not. But is the cupboard completely bare? And is it pitting a square peg into a round hole like you saw maybe with like an Arkansas last year? No. Right. Yeah, this isn't, you know, um, like Chad Moore taking over Arkansas, like you said. I mean, this is this is not a total transformation. Um, they, have, they have the players to do a lot of what Rich Rod wants to do, in my opinion. Um, I guess we'll hit this last part again. If he chooses football over baseball, that could change a lot of things because he'd be the best running back on the first day of camp. Sustaining drives is going to be interesting. Um, sure. Um, if he was indeed not talking about the draft and he's talking about the distraction of playing two sports, I can tell you, buddy, he's going to play and he's going to be pretty good regardless of whether he's hitting baseballs in the spring. Um, that's going to be interesting, by the way. Yeah, it is. It is, but you I mean, know that's another conversation for another day. But uh, if he has a breakout freshman year, you think there's a chance he's not over at Boise in the spring? Oh yeah, well no, I would say there's more than a chance, and I know that not just speculating. Um, yep. Sustaining drives is going to be interesting. Is the last sentence of this sure? <laughs> I, I think you probably need to sustain drives to score points. Like <laughs> I don't really know. I don't know exactly what he means by that, but I'm going to agree with him. Sustaining drives will be interesting. I mean, it's interesting for everybody, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I mean, 
Yes, Ole Miss struggled mightily in the red zone last year. We've rehashed that a ton on this podcast. Um, I mean, yeah, they're going to have to sustain drives and be better in the red zone to succeed as an offense this year. Uh, that's that's really about all I got on that. Um, here yep, we go. Agreed. Mike McIntyre is a great coordinator, but he's stepping into a rough deal there. They're going to run a three-four George, three-four scheme like Georgia and Tennessee, but how well does their personnel fit? We talked about this a little bit a second ago. Um, you know, he wouldn't run it if it didn't fit, right? And is it probably ideally exactly what he wants? No. Is it probably less ideal than what Rich Rod has on the other side of the ball? Yes. But there's some pieces. They have some nice pieces at the outside linebacker spot. We talked about the defensive line being okay. Mohamed Sanogo's filled in okay. Secondary, a little shaky, but some veteran guys at the top. I think depth's an issue defensively. I think on the surface they could be okay as far as personnel. You could run a 3-4, It doesn't matter. This team was always going to be what it is. Like I don't think the scheme is going to be the issue with this defense. Yeah, and like if you're giving, if you're being like, "Hey, put a grade on how well this personnel fits with what Mike McIntyre is trying to do," I'd go B minus. Yeah, sure, but I don't think you're going to get above that with any other scheme. No, and I'd hear C plus too. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but it it, it is what it is from just a, a body standpoint. I mean, it's not going to be an overwhelming defense. Benito Jones is probably their best player on that side of the ball. Mm, okay. I, I, I'm going to take Sam Williams, um, but that's fair because you haven't seen Sam Williams play at D.C. football. I'd like to see Sam Williams play, and Mohamed Sanogo should probably be yeah, be in there. Yep. Because he Agreed. led the team in tackles. He turned into a really good, solid SEC linebacker last year on an atrocious defense. We went over the tackling stats, right? I had him at like 112 tackles and i believe the next closest was 79 like yeah dude yeah. made tackles when other people didn't so correct and benito jones has had some shoulder issues he got it fixed up i believe again this off season. i think he probably feels pretty healthy he was telling me he feels really healthy Four guys hurt. what'd you say yeah he has he's had shoulder issues throughout his career had some other stuff going on too as far as injury um so i'd like to see fully healthy benito jones but if you want to say he's the best or most talented player on that side of the ball i'm not gonna there's too much yeah. unproven to really heavily dispute that right now, but he's definitely in the conversation. Um, and then last quote. It will be interesting to watch Matt Luke as a head coach. He's hired two former head coaches to radically change their schemes on both sides of the ball. He's putting a lot on those two, and that could come back to bite him. Um, how does that come back to bite him? I mean, it's either going to work or it's not. He's putting a lot on those two, and that could come back to bite him. As if two former head coaches can't handle the workload Matt Luke's putting on them. I'm not sure I buy it from that standpoint. Two, two former Pac-12 coaches of the year? Like, I mean, what are we even talking about there? Yeah, I don't really buy into this at all. I hear – so I disputed this on Friday's radio show. I hear the – uh I, I get the concept of, oh, man, he hired two guys more qualified than him, more experienced than him. This could end up being some kind of hostile takeover if it doesn't go well. I'll hear that argument. That's fine. If you want to say that he hired his two replacements or made it easier to replace him midseason or something if shit really hits the fan, I'll hear that. But at the same time, I said this on Friday's show, they're all in the same boat here, man. Like, Mike McIntyre yeah. and Rich Rodriguez want to be Division One head coaches again. And their resumes are probably proven enough that they're going to be Division One head coaches again. 
even if it doesn't go as great here, but it's not going to help their chances of getting back to being a major college Man. football head coach if they're not good, right? Look, look, I think there's a you know everybody talks about always oh, he's hired their their replacement or whatever. Is there really a scenario where Rich Rod or Mike McIntyre's unit performed so well that you could ever justify you know letting Matt Luke go and hiring one of them? Like I think both of them are going to have to either be in sync one way or the other. I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I think that scenario is less like, oh, look how good the offense or defense is doing, and it's more like, hey, this team's three and seven, heads need to roll. Maybe. I, I'll i have to see Matt Luke get fired during the middle of the year for that to happen. No, yeah, no, I, I feel you on that. I'm not disagreeing, but I think it, you talk about, is he really, like, would they really do that? I don't think it's more of a performance based thing as much as it is, a, hey, like, you know, like I said, hey, they're three and eight, heads got to roll, we got to change some shit up in here. Uh, I think it would be that type of thing. But at the same time, I'm not necessarily sure I buy into that because, again, I think all three men, if you sat them down in a room and they probably talked about this before, this isn't a long-term thing. If this is a raging success, they're both going to go back to being head coaches somewhere else and it's going to be all good. If it's a failure, that's an indictment on both of them. And like I said, their resumes probably both established enough. Like Rich Rod would probably still be the head coach at Arizona if it hadn't ended the way he did with kind of the -the off-the-field stuff. Um and Colorado screwed McIntyre. Yeah, and so their resumes are solid enough to where, unless this is a complete abject disaster, they're probably going to be get head coaching chances anyway. But it's going to expedite the process if they're both good. And so they're all pulling in the same boat here. So I don't buy into the necessarily as much into the whole like, oh yeah. man, he put a lot of pressure on himself by hiring those two guys. I think oh, he yeah. wanted to have to hire the best people, and he tried to get the best people he could. I know that for a fact that's what he tried to do. I don't see that coming back to bite him like other people do. Matt Luke wants to win football games at Ole Miss. That's all he cares about. He's not. He doesn't care about optics or from a job perspective. All Matt Luke wants to do is to win football games at Ole Miss. You can debate, you know, a lot of stuff about him, but I don't think that, that he really cares about any of that stuff. And I don't think any of that stuff is valid. Like, I mean, Rich Rodriguez is not trying to undercut Matt Luke's leg to get the head coaching job. I think that's silly. Um, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't buy into any of that stuff. Yeah, I just, I, 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 it's not a completely irrational argument because you put two and two together and you say, oh, guy who didn't appear to be completely qualified to get the job when he got sure. the job versus two guys that are very established head coaches. The argument, like the uh, from a thousand, ten thousand foot view, that argument makes sense. But when you get deeper into it, I really just don't see it as much like we were both just saying. Um. And like I said, they both need to be on the same page. They both need to be successful. And for both, first of all, Mike McIntyre in particular is making a lot of money to not coach for Colorado. So in a lot of ways, this has to be kind of fun and not like stress relief for him. But this has to be a little more laid back and a little more fun. They hadn't been coordinators in Lord knows how long, and they're getting paid a ton of money to do it from Ole Miss and from schools that you know. Or I can't. Did, did Rich Roy get fired for cause? Like did he get a buyout? I don't remember. I don't know. I guess we should. Kind of I should probably that. learn that. I knew that at I one time. I'll look it up. No, but but either way, my point still stands. This probably needs to be like Rich Rodriguez spent a year out of football, kind of learning some different concepts, and learning the game again. Part of this has to be kind of fun for them. Sure, yeah. I mean, you get to be creative when you're the co- coordinators. I mean, you're not. I mean, look, you, they want to win as bad as anybody else, but I mean, you get to do a lot more when when you're calling the plays, and and maybe they weren't getting to do that so much as head coaching. 
And it'd be one thing if Matt Luke and obviously I don't I'm not in those rooms every day or we aren't in those rooms every day, but I feel like it would be a little bit of a different scenario if Matt Luke were very headstrong in what he wants to do and almost stubborn yeah. to where they're more experienced in telling him stuff and he's not listening. But I feel like part of the reason he hired him is because he knows he doesn't have a ton of experience as a head coach and so he wants to be able to lean on them. We were I mean, he what? said something about it the other day when we were interviewing on radio. It's like, hey, when I left to have to go speak at the Neshoba County Fair or I left to go speak at Rebel Road Trip, I can I feel much more comfortable leaving those two guys to run things in the facility because they've been there, done that a lot. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, those guys are going to be assets for Matt Luke. I mean, there's going to be things that they've dealt with that, you know, maybe Matt hasn't dealt with. Look, and, and I think, you know, during a game, those guys can, can really help. I mean, Rich Rodriguez has been there before. He, he knows when to go for it on fourth down, when to punt. I mean, that's been a fair criticism of Matt Luke in game. I, I think, you know, Rich Rodriguez is going to be able to help with that. Um, you know, from a defense perspective, the same thing applies with McIntyre. So, yeah, I mean, look, those guys are, should be viewed, uh, I mean, by Matt Luke and Ole Miss fans as assets rather than, you know, somebody trying to undercut your head coach. I would agree with all of that. Um, so that was all the quotes on that. Um that's really all the old Miss thoughts I had from the first couple of days. We're kind of getting deeper and deeper into fall camp. I'll be interested. Some of the things I'm looking forward to, I guess, ahead of time is kind of who emerges as the second-team quarterback. Um, there really hadn't been a ton of separation there, um, at least from what I've noticed. I think that'll probably develop as we get into the second and third week of camps. So I'll be looking at that. When and if does Givens come back? He is going to Jackson to get his back reevaluated on uh, – Sometime this week, I think Matt Luke said on Wednesday. Maybe he said Tuesday. I can't remember. Um, that sounds like a scheduled thing. Like when I say reevaluated, I don't think that's like, hey, let's go check and see what's wrong now. Like I think that's a scheduled thing. He had the procedure a couple right. of weeks ago. Um, so we'll probably have an update on that later in the week. Um, that's really all I've got for now. Um, some of these other quotes were kind of interesting to me from these. Uh, here's a dynamite one. You ready for this? Sure. This is about Missouri. Losing Drew Locke was massive for them. He oh, that, might have been that, the best QB in the SEC besides or even maybe including Tua. Ooh. We'll disagree with that one. I'm probably going to agree with the first part that losing Drew Locke was massive <laughs> yeah. for Missouri. Guys really, really go squatting on that take. Um... <laughs> let me... I'm just kind of perusing these things. I always like to go through that through those and be like, uh, who, who's, like, who do I think said it? Like, you could tell if you look hard enough who Nick, what Nick Saban said. Yeah. Um, oh, there was one on it. Uh, here we go. This is regards to Tennessee. There is no reason that offense was so bad last year. I don't, I know the line wasn't good, but they have players. Man, if there's nobody blocking, like, what are you going to do? <laughs> it feels like must champ. I don't really fall follow that one um if you want to know the state of tennessee football this is kind of funny they just need to get to a bowl this year and beat vanderbilt <laughs> and beat missouri and the conference teams who aren't as talented as as their rosters just show that the long-term plan is working here's an interesting one as far regarding tennessee too butch jones did a better job recruiting than what they're telling the media i don't really know what that last part means i don't know who's telling like yeah, who's telling the media Butch Jones did a bad job recruiting? The players he brought in are still playing the bulk of the time, and not a lot of the Pruitt recruits have broken past them on the depth chart. Has it Pruitt's been there one year? <laughs> this was his first yeah, 
<laughs> they literally only could have broken past as true freshmen. They've recruited well so far for the system Jeremy wants. They just need to get to a bowl this year and beat Vanderbilt. Oh, it's just, they cut off the same quote twice. I see what you're up to. Um, anyway, that's that's really dynamite quote. Um, just kind of scrolling through a couple of these. Yeah, not really much interesting. What else went on in the sports world over the weekend? Um, not a ton. The uh, Red Sox suck. Yeah, so that that three out of four or whatever they took, did they sweep the Yankees a couple weeks yeah. ago in Fenway? That was short-lived. They're, they uh, took three out of four, and then the Yankees took four. So they've lost eight in a row heading into whatever game they're playing tonight. Look, the way they are in the wild card, I'm not saying they're completely done, but this is getting to the time of year where a losing streak like that ends your season. They're done. Um they're done because Chris Sells is not going to find it. That's why they're done. That's probably fair. They are, as we stand recording this on this final uh, Monday evening, they're seven back in the loss column for the second wild card at this point behind Oakland and Tampa. They're not. They're not. Making yeah, it. I don't see that. I don't see that. So uh, Yankees clicking on all cylinders. Um, yeah. Not, a, I mean, really not a whole lot else going on. I mean, you've got football training camp. We're kind of getting back into where football season's feeling real. Um, obviously, it, it was a rough weekend as far as news for the country. You had the the two shootings. Uh, what it was? It was Dayton, Ohio, and El Paso, Texas. Is that correct? correct. Yeah. Um, I was out of pocket most Saturday night and Sunday. I didn't read up on this as much as I should. Um, Obviously, this is really not my space to offer political thoughts, but I, I just I hate to see that. I hate that this continues to happen in our country and doesn't seem to happen in other countries. Again, I'm not about to get political about this, yep. but the fact that this is becoming normalized really scares yeah, and depresses that, the hell out of me. me is, is, yeah, that's exactly what scares me is you see it and, and it's not even a shock anymore. It's just like, oh, it happened again. This used to be big news for weeks when stuff like this happens, and now it happen. fades out of the news cycle in like two days, and it's just really atrocious and it sucks that the discourse of this country is so poor that we can't actually get change done because there's no nuance to anything and not exactly. to go on a social there's, media there's, rant but i think social media in some ways personifies it is you got to take a side and there's no nuance to everything and i think that's kind of the microwave society we live in now and i wish people would just kind of come together and figure out some kind of common sense thing because we're the only country where this happens where well, this shit happens yeah i, I mean it there's zero compromise anymore it's either my way or the highway with, with both sides, and it, it's infuriating that, I mean, this continues to happen. I mean, we had, we had, we had you know, uh, the, the school shooting in Florida last year on um, Valentine's Day. We have this. I mean, and nothing ever gets done because both sides are uh, so unable to compromise with each other, and it, 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 it's sickening um, that, that this has to keep happening in, in a country where, I mean, frankly, it doesn't have to happen. Yeah, and it's just it just sucks. I mean, I, I someone sent me a photo the other day that they now make bullet resistant backpacks, and it's just like, yeah. come on, is that really is that really where we're at? Anyway, it is, it is though, that is where we're at. I know, and like I'm not a hundred percent anti gun, but I also believe I'm in common either. sense, and just yeah, I'll just a- yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I just I I hate it. I hate it for the families of all these people that continue to be affected. I hate it for everyone. It's sickening and it's depressing. And the fact that it's becoming normalized just really, really sucks. Um, yep. On a lighter note, nothing really weird happened to me this weekend, I don't think. That, that must be nice. Yeah, I'm trying just to find any, like, no weird Uber stories, no... 
Um, yeah, I really just had your boring average run-of-the-mill weekend. I'm going on a bachelor trip this weekend. Is that like, how many of those have you gone on? This is really my first one. I've had friends get married, but friends not close enough to where, you know, like you make the cut for the bachelor thing. Like guys you're buddies with, but not like yeah. real close. This is really the first one I've kind of been on where it's like a close friend of mine. So Are you, uh, are you in the wedding? No, so I'm. Uh, that's interesting. I'm in a couple uh, th- this year. I'm not in this guy's wedding, but he was like, I think the wedding's going to be a smaller wedding. I don't know that for a fact. I've just, uh, just from the vibe I got. But he was like, yeah, come on. So we're going on a bachelor trip. We're going to the beach. Okay, um, I was wondering if it was New Orleans or where, where you were headed. Yeah, so we're headed, I think, like Orange Beach or something. I mean, nothing like too crazy, but, you know. I'll do a podcast there Thursday night, Friday. We'll figure something out. But um, I'm sure that'll be a well-behaved time. Oh yeah, yeah. You should. Uh, we should do it late Thursday night. Is when right before you go to bed. Yeah, two o'clock in the morning. See what happens I'm with in. that. I am in. That would you be might a, uh, a job, but I'm in. Yeah, that that would probably wake up unemployed. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's really about it. I I don't know. That was a lot of football talk for as much bullshitting as we do on this podcast. That was like fifty five minutes of pretty solid football stuff. Yeah, and Ole Miss football. Not even like we're not even like rambling off. Yeah, I know. So we don't really have many, like, stick-to-sports hardo people that chime in on this podcast. But, like, if that's really what you get your rocks off to and you like the serious stuff, man, this one was for you. Um, <laughs> we screwed up on Conspiracy Theory Monday again. That's my bad. That's partly the scheduling thing. We'll just move it to Wednesday. I'll find there a conspiracy thing for Wednesday. I'm not skipping another go. one. Last week I said we'd pick up next week. I'll just uh, – so, so what did we decide on? Um, okay. Ooh. Oh, actually, I did have one thing to add. Um, let me pull this up. So my girlfriend is, she hates birds, like <laughs> despises birds, is like deathly okay. afraid of them uh, to the point of, well, it's not even to the point. It is completely irrational. Um, but I showed her the birds aren't real thing, uh-huh. right? That we I'm discussed worried. a couple weeks ago, the billboards that started in Memphis where, you know, the, right. uh, if you did not listen to that edition of the podcast, it's uh, there's a large group of people that believe birds started being killed off by the government in the 60s uh, and are dr- now government-issued drones that uh, want to watch every single thought and, like, we have basically just Big Brother type of stuff. Um, so I got sent a photo on Instagram that's a big, it's a t-shirt and it's a big gigantic bird. It's a circle logo on the front that says birds aren't real. And on the back, it's a big gigantic aggressive looking bird. And all it says under it is I am a lie. Yeah. I've I've seen those shirts. I have a friend that has some. Here's another, here's another favorite one of mine. It's a bird with binoculars that says bird watching goes both ways. Birds aren't real. (laughs) That's kind of creepy. You're going to get you a shirt. I might. Um, Here's a more pastelli birds aren't real. Here we go. Third annual bird truther rally, Washington, D.C., April 16, 1977. God. So this shit's been going on a while. Yeah. Wait, do they have any of these rallies, like, close to us? Uh, I don't know. This shirt just says 1977. I'll do some digging on that. I'd be down to go people watching one of those. Um, oh, here we go. It's... Uh, Oh my. Big Bird from Sesame Street with a robot eye that just says propaganda. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is big stuff. Yeah, I, I can't decide which one's my favorite. This last one is a very simple one. Like, you know those Life is Good shirts? It's just a, a generic blue shirt with very small letters that says birds aren't real. <laughs> so, I don't know. Might have to make a purchase or two in there. Um, yeah, so... 
just wanted to add that to the conversation. Uh, for the next conspiracy theory, we stopped getting submissions. So if you're listening to this podcast, we'll hold off on picking a thing. Will you send me a conspiracy theory, please? Yeah. So whoever's sure. out there, someone send me a good conspiracy theory. There you go. There we go. Send us a good conspiracy theory by, like, I don't know, midday tomorrow. Let's do some research. We'll be with you on Wednesday. I don't have anything else. I'm about to get out of here. We've been here an hour. Yeah, I'm about to go eat some supper. Yeah, me too. I'm really hungry. All right, well, that sounds good. So we'll be back at it on Wednesday. A lot more football talk. I'm sure we're getting some other stuff. Football's rolling full steam, so jump on board. Like and subscribe to the podcast. We really appreciate listening. Tell your friends about it. You can give us a rating. I don't care what you say on that. You can call me an asshole. Just give us five stars. I'll settle for four. But, uh, yeah, like and subscribe to the podcast. We really appreciate listening. Um, I would really appreciate feedback on where you're listening from, what you like, don't like about the podcast. I had a, like, pretty consistent stream of that for a while, and then it kind of teetered off a little bit. Feel free to reach out to me at email, rippy at supertalk.fm. Tweet me, um, whatever, just or tweet Colin as well. Wherever you get a hold of us, just tell us what you like, don't like about it. Feedback. We'd love to hear from you because this show is every bit as much yours as it is ours. Um with that said, that's about all I got. So I will uh, get out. Of, we'll get out of here, and the People's Podcast will be back on Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.